be that piece of advice that you give to people who have that perspective that all cops are bad when we all know that's not the case. Everyone's different. Everyone treats every situation different. Um, that's that's tough uh, because you know, I'm on both sides of it. I'm an African American male, and I'm a cop. Look, the biggest podcast where you can learn them lessons. Line for line, where you can learn from different sections. Made it out the mud, come tell your story, blessings. Never know who listening, never know who stressing. Divine gave you a voice, come speak your honest truth. Line for line, go ball for ball, it's up to you. Wanna talk sports, gov, and politics? Wanna talk about where you from and your accomplishments? The line for line is really where you need to be. A platform that's really made for folks like you and me. You can find it all no matter what you seek. Whether you calling or you listening, tune in every week. All right. Just like that, we're back in another episode of Lifeline. Very special guest in the building. I'll let him introduce himself to the world. I'm Daryl uh, from Kenosha. Go Trimper. <laughs> I'm about to stop this interview short right now. <laughs> but yeah, just go ahead. Tell us a little bit about you, sir, where you come from, what it was like for you coming up. Uh, originally, I'm from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was born there um, in about, I want to say, 2003. So you're a Bears fan. Of course. Of course. My dude. Of course. My dude. Of course. Um, I see you got the Bears gloves in the corner up yeah, there. Yeah, Um, But yeah, I was uh, in, in a 03. Uh, my mom got me and my brothers out of Chicago um, just because um, she had um, a relationship at the time with someone who was from Kenosha. And he said it was, a, it was just a better a better spot, you know, so that we could, you know, get out of that environment. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, we all know how Chicago is. Oh, can, my God. Or can be. Um, so yeah, should we move to uh, Kenosha? Um, and ever since it's just been, I'm thankful that she got us out of there. Cause honestly, I don't know where I would be yeah. if, if, if we would have stayed. Um, but yeah, born in Chicago, Big uh, been, been in Wisconsin ever since. Um, bear fan, bull fan, kind of a Bucks fan. Come on, man. They lame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, not at the bulls on the up and up, but, um, but yeah, man. That was actually how I met you through Terrence back in yeah, the day. Yeah, we was in elementary, uh-huh. and then I remember seeing you like the next week after I met you at the little flag football because I played for Wilson, and I forgot where'd you go. Uh, I went to. Um, she went to Wilson. I went to Lincoln. Yeah, and I remember yeah. you had just got done playing. And I was like, "Hey, what up, my yeah, boy? Yeah. My boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah." Uh-huh. <clears throat> so, what you, what sports did you play growing up? Uh, well, I started. Uh, the first sport I ever played was softball. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. It was before I picked up basketball, before I picked up uh, football, it was mm-hmm. softball, and that was kind of my thing for a little bit. But then um, uh, I figured out that I was kind of quick, so I was like, I want to do something more. I can use my speed. Yeah. Um, so then uh, I kind of got into basketball, and then that was kind of my thing because obviously I'm short. <laughs> it was okay. It wasn't really. But once I picked up a football, that was I figured out that was my niche. Yeah. Um. I went to uh, Chicago Bears camp, and I met uh, Brian Erlacher, Devin Hester, um, Alex Brown at the time. Number 96. Um, that yeah, dude, yeah. yeah, Alex Brown at the time. And he pulled me aside because I, I was just like a straight-ahead runner. That's all I did. He was like – and, like, I would just, like, run – either I run to the sideline or I would, like, run at people and not really make any moves. Um, but he, he pulled me to the side and was like, we're going to teach you how to cut because you – like, you just, you know, straight lines. He's like – you know, just we're going to teach you how to cut. So Alex Brown himself pulled me to the side and, like, set up some cones, and I did a bunch of drills. And ever since that day, you know, it, it changed the way I played the game. Yeah, what was going through your mind as a kid who's a Bears fan already, mm-hmm. being able to be pulled aside by Alex Brown, the man himself, and taught 
how to perfect your game. Man, it was it was a dream come true, dude. It was I was like, I cannot believe this dude who, you know, who's, you know, as big as he is, is like singling me out and teaching me, you know, a different way to play the game. Mm-hmm. It was just it was awesome. Yeah. Just being in just being in front of all those guys was just awesome. What type of talk did you and Devin Hester have? Uh, I didn't really talk to him that much. <clears throat> it was just like a Oh my God, that's Devin Hester. Hey, gotcha, <laughs> you know, gotcha. kind of, you know, you get you know, at that age. I think I was, I don't know, maybe twelve. I mm-hmm. don't know, uh, or thirteen or something like that time. So I was just like, you know, you're just nervous. You're like, oh my yeah. God, that's a famous person. You know, I don't want to say the wrong, say the wrong <laughs> thing. You know, uh, but it was one of those things. Just like, hey, 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 Devin. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, was Matt Forte on the team at the time? No, he oh. wasn't there yet. Okay. Um, I think yeah, I think that was really the only the three that I remember was Brian Alecker. Alex Brown, Devin Hester. That's what's up. Did you get to get an autograph or anything like that? I think I got Alex Brown's hey, autograph. I don't know what I, I don't know what I did with it though. What? Yeah, it's, yeah, it was that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's going on almost eighteen years since I was there. So yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's just ever since then I played the game um, so different. And then um, I thank Terrence for getting me into uh, youth sports um because once he got me in there we didn't do cyc i don't know why we didn't do it mm-hmm. um maybe because the competition in racine was a little bit better um at ryf sports okay um so he put me he put me in that and um ever since then i just love the game to, to this day yeah. i love love the game like i see all the college players and the nfl players and i'm like man i reminisce all the time yeah facts. And, you know and i played up to from high school uh, up to uh, college. So. I was just about to ask, were you lucky enough to take your professionalism to the college stage? Yeah, so I played a year <laughs> at uh, UW Oshkosh. Um, and, like, looking back on it, in high school, um, you know, I didn't really... I took it seriously, but I didn't really tap into um, my game that much until I got to college. And by that time, it's like, I should have been doing this when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't really... I didn't. I, I went to I went to the liftings in high, in high school, but you know sometimes I would miss. Oh no! You know, or I'll just be like, oh, I don't want to go today. <laughs> you know, but when I got to college, just like man, I love this. Like this, and this is awesome. Like yeah. being around all these athletes from different places and working out and stuff. And uh, Coach Brown was just by far one of the best strength and conditioning coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably some of the best shape I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Um, it was just awesome. Just that just that experience. You're getting treated like. Basically, kings at, at a D three school. I can only imagine what D one is like. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, we was getting treated like kings, you know. But um, I got caught up in uh, the the light, the football life of you know of uh, being a student athlete of you know the the jersey chasers and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I got caught up in that and just kind of I kind of got lazy because I was so tired from working out. You got to go to class, then you got to go to practice, and then after practice, you know, you try to watch some film, and you got to try to study, you know. It's kind of like it's a full-time job, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it's kind of like, man, we should get paid for doing this. But, I mean, now they do. But, yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was a struggle. So I had to make a choice. I had to choose, do I want to get so – oh, let me backtrack. So my first year playing um, – uh, I didn't get recruited at all by Oshkosh. Dang. I got recruited by um, a couple other schools, a couple other D- D3 schools, but Oshkosh wasn't on that list. Um, but my friends were going to Oshkosh, so I was like, I need to do something to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I reached out to the head coach, Coach Cerrone, and I, sent to, I said, hey, 
I know you guys aren't recruiting me, but I'm interested in playing football in the program. I play running back, and but and I don't know. He was like, "Yeah, man, I'm sorry, but I got I already got enough running backs." And I'm like, "I like look, I'll play DB, you know, I'll play defense." Yeah, I was like, "I don't mind playing defense." And he was like, "No, it looks like you're a true running back. I can't I can't take you out of your element." And I'm like, "Man, I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do." So then I was like, "Whatever, I'm gonna send him my tape." So I sent him my highlight tape. And uh, he hit me back, I want to say, maybe a couple of days later. I was like, I'm going to mail you a packet. Uh, I want to invite you to our camp. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's, what, that's all I needed. So I get there, and it's like, I want to say maybe 13 or six, 16 or 13 running backs. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, that's it's deep. That's deep, deep. Deep. And I'm like, I'm like, and these dudes are just from all over the place. And I'm like. Hungry, too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, man. Not saying you weren't hungry. Definitely yeah. Drop, but. I'm like, man. I'm like I'm gonna have to, I got to put in this work because I got to get a spot. I got to get a spot, and um, I uh, we went through like all the tour days, the camp and stuff. And at the end of it, he pulls me and my best friend James, uh, who plays defense, James Woodley, uh, another Trumper native, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, he pulls us in the office and he was like, um, he's like, hey, I just want to let you guys know that you guys made the team. And I'm like, I'm like, I beat out 16 dudes, you know. And they, I think they kept like four of us, four or five of us. I think they kept. But I'm like, bro, I beat out, I beat out 16 dudes. Yeah. I'm like, this is like, and I really, then I really tapped into, all right, let's do this. So then, um, at the at the time, they had this stud running back, Cole Myra, just a beast. And uh, I'm like, I want to model my game after him. He's just a, a beast. Um, and I would just watch his every move and, um, and I, I'm kind of a, a visual, a visual and hands-on learner. That's just, that's just how I am. And, um, I studied his game and, um, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta try to get some, some sort of tick. So I want to say, I think it was the second, maybe the second game of the season. Um, we was playing a team from Michigan and, um, coach like looked at me and was like, Hey, get in there, get some. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, right. He's like, go ahead. I'm like, all right. So I go in there. First touch, college career, Tutty. Stop playing, Tutty. I want to say it's probably like, I want to say it's probably like 35 yards, Tutty. Yes, first play, college career. So make sure you take us through the play by play, running into the field, everything like that. So, (laughs) so uh, he tells me to go in there. He um, at the time we had a, I forget the type of offense that we ran, but we had the wristbands that we had to like, so we'll hold up a card and it'd be like Batman. So like that'll let you know what formation you need to be in. So then he'll be like, call, he'll call out Batman. Then he'll say, you know, Wisconsin three. And he'll look at your wristband and say like, okay, whatever Wisconsin three is. So I'm like, I'm shaking at this point. I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to mess up. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like thinking through the plays in my head. I'm like, all right. So now I'm lining up and I'm breathing so hard that I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to mess this up, you know. So then, uh, and our offensive line was at the time was, was amazing, and just big dudes. So I'm like, I'm like, I know they're gonna block for me. I ain't worried about that part. I'm just worried about when I get to the secondary, what I'm gonna do. Yeah. So, uh, uh, quarterback hands me the ball. I see the hole open up. This dude running right at me. I break him off a little bit, make a cut. Right to the end zone. Let's go. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, bruh, I'm like, I'm like what just happened? Like my first college <laughs> touch ever yeah. was a tutty. I'm like, this is nuts. Like this is absolutely nuts. What did it feel like getting in the end zone? I, I do. I turned around and like it was just like it was kind of a blur at first, and I'm like, 
this got to be a dream. Yeah. Like, this got to be. And I'm like, somebody wake me up because this, I like, this can't be true. First college touch and you just in Tutty? I'm yeah. like, yeah, right. So um, I get back to the sideline, everybody, you know, hype, hyping you up and whatnot. And then my buddy James uh, comes to me like, bruh, what just happened? And I'm like, I don't even know. I'm like, this is surreal right now. Yeah. So then that next practice, uh, our coach was like, uh, we need some new special teams. So I'm like, he was like, if you want to be on special teams, this is what you need to do to get there. So we, so we had our punter, and he was putting, hitting, putting balls in the air. Like, so you have to catch one and keep it. And then he put do another one. You got to catch another one, and keep it. And he was like, you got to catch like four or five in a row, but you got to keep, you got to keep the balls. You got to try to catch one while holding the balls. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do it. And yeah, I got the starting spot on a kick return. Let's go. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, okay. I'm what like, type of damage did you do out there? Yeah. They kicked over my head all day. <laughs> I, I I didn't get a single chance to return anything. Oh, they knew they had Devin Hester back there. Yeah, huh? something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but man, dude, just just being on that field, you know, and like seeing like where I came from, where RIS, and to and doing it at the at the college level, that was pretty dope. But <laughs> like I said, I had to make a choice. I had to. It was either. Um, you know, I was I was getting I was getting bad grades. Oh no! Yeah, I was getting bad grades. I was like I said, I was way too caught up in the partying. Yeah, and, uh, and hanging out and not really focused. Yeah. Um and like, but when it came to football, though, I was locked in. <laughs> you know, but when it came to the off the field stuff, I was I was not focused at all yeah. at all. And um. It got to the point where I got put on academic probation. So that means you can't play. Can, you can't even practice, can you? Yeah. You can't. No. Well, you could practice, but um, you can't. You can't play. Yeah. Um. So uh, that summer after um, after the season, I was working at Calvin Klein in Pleasantbury, right over here, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sitting there. I'm folding clothes, and I get an email. Cause you gotta, you, know, you gotta do your financial. You gotta do your FAFSA every year. So I'm get, I get an email from FAFSA, and it said this is like, unfortunately, we are not gonna grant you um, financial aid because of your grades, basically. And I'm like, dude, I broke down. Like, yeah. I broke down. I'm like, I need to take a break. I have to go step outside, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm like, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm sick. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So. I had to make a choice. I had to either, I'm like, I got to figure this out because, you know, all the hard work I put in, you know, from high school, and I got pretty good grades in high school, you know, and getting up to this point, I was like, I'm not about to let this go to waste. So um, I, I uh, went to, it's this thing in Oshkosh at the uh, university called the Student Success Center. Um, I met this um, wonderful woman named Caitlin Cooper. Um, and she was my um, advisor, and um, we started from scratch. We just, she looked at where I was struggling at, and she's like, she laid out a plan for my whole grad up to graduation, a plan for me. But she was like, only way this is gonna work is if you pay for college out of out of pocket. Oh wow! And you know, college is expensive. I'm like, and I don't got that type of money. <laughs> yeah, I'm a broke college kid. I don't have yeah. that money. I was like, and my parents not about to give me no money for this. Like, I gotta figure this out. I'm. I'm 18, 19, I got to figure this out. So um, I continued to work at Calvin Klein, saved up my money, and I paid for, I think I paid for like two or three classes out of pocket. 
So then <clears throat> I went to the financial aid office and just told them what was going on. And they was like, look, this is what we'll do for you. They're like, if you get straight A's, like not, not a B plus, it was like, if you get A's in these three classes, we will grant you financial aid for that next semester. Let's go. So I was like, I'm like, okay, bet. So um, that's what I did. I got A's in all of in those three classes, and that next semester I got financial aid. I was like, that's what I needed. So then um, I got a scholarship from the program I was in, which helped pay for other stuff too, other classes. And then um, from there, bro, it was just like, bro, I was sleeping in the library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm like, I'm not. I know what it Yeah, I was like, I'm not letting this happen to me ever again. So, like, at the time when I was on academic probation, my GPA was, like, one-something. Whoa. It was, it was ridiculous. Whoa. Ridiculous. And by the time I graduated, I think I think I graduated, like, like a 3-5 or something. Hey. Yeah. So, I'm like, it was just, like, it just goes to show if you, if you apply yourself, you put in the work, and you just focus refocus yourself is the the possibilities are endless yes sir and and that I, I live by that to this day i will never forget you know that that struggle of you know having if having to figure it out by myself because like my parents can't help me do this yeah. this is on me because i put myself in this position so i gotta figure it out and once i sat and applied myself it was it was a wrap from there it yes, was sir. only it was only up from there yeah and you know i'll never forget them days where i'm in the library with a sleeping bag or uh, in a library at four in the morning trying to study for a test, you know, or um, just studying with friends that, you know, you know it, it gets to the point where sometimes I have to be like, nah, bro, I can't hang out. I got to go. I got to go Smart study. man. Mm-hmm. Smart man. I got to go study. And know? what program was it that you were in? Uh, it was called, the, it was the Student Success Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's at, you know, University of Oshkosh. It's big, beautiful building, like kind of like not really in the middle of campus, but, um, it's like uh, it's like right in front of like the dining hall, basically. Yeah. Um, but I went there and just, they hooked me up with Caitlin, and I, I still have her on Facebook and, That's what's up. and whatnot. Because like when I graduated, I gave her the biggest hug. I'm like, thank you for, <laughs> for, for like believing in me. And like she and like if if I messed up, she was on me. She was on me. She was like, I'm like, yeah, I got a I got a D on my test. She was on me. Like my mom, she was on me. Like, nah, that's not acceptable. Yeah. You know, and she held me accountable. And, you know, sometimes at our at that age, you know, 18, 19, you need somebody to hold you accountable. Because you know? you're still learning, still exactly. growing every day exactly. as well, too. Yep. Yes, yes. Big um, perks. But, yeah, it was that was a very humbling experience. Get, I will never forget the way I felt when I got that email. Yes, saying sir. that I couldn't get financial aid. That I was so broken. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But, yeah. hey, man, like I said, it's if you apply yourself. You put pressure on yourself to get it done. It's only up. Yes, you got to you got to refocus yourself and get it together. It worked out pretty well for you. It, so, it did. <clears throat> what did you end up getting into postgraduate? Um, so, <clears throat> my goal was so my major and when I was in college was criminal justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of knew when I was in high school what, what, what I kind of wanted to do with myself because uh, my dad's a mailman, so you know obviously works for the government. So I knew that I kind of wanted to do something in the same like in the government somehow. Um, but I was like, I don't, I don't want to be a mailman. And my dad didn't want that for me either. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, he was just like, I want something a little better for you, you know, but being a mailman, you make good money. So I was like, okay, my dad made good money being a mailman. Maybe I could do something kind of in the same, I guess, in the same realms of government. Um, 
but something that's more tailored to who I am. So I was like, you know what? I was like, maybe I could be a cop. Um, and at the time, it's the typical, I want to stop bad guys, and catch, <laughs> you know, and, and clean the streets, you know. At, at the time, you know, that's just what you think, mm-hmm. you know. But as I got older, um, as we go on with the podcast, I'll kind of lay it out how um, how I got to where I am now. But um, so I said, okay, I'll be a cop. So um, I, when I went to Oshkosh, I applied to. Well, first I went to Fox Valley Tech because I didn't get into Oshkosh the first time. Oh no! I had a uh, my ACT scores were not good. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll go to Fox Valley Tech, which is literally basically right across the bridge from Oshkosh. Uh, I went there for a year, got good grades there, transferred over. And then that's when I started playing football and all that stuff. But um, so uh, I majored in criminal justice. And um, once uh, my goal was I want to get hired before I graduate. Oh. Because then that way there's no um, overlap or there's no like break time in between me graduating and I got to work here for a while and then I got to, cause then I got to get hired. Mm-hmm. Um, because I knew the police process is so long. It's like a year long. Some, some of it, unless you, unless you go through like an accelerated program. Um, but it's, it's a long process and I knew that. So I was like, okay. Um, so one day I got, it was closer to my graduation. I, I graduated college in December, 2016. Um, I want to say maybe November I got bored and I was like, I'm just gonna throw out a bunch of applications and see what happens. Um, Cause before that, I was gonna be a cop in Illinois. Oh, nice. Because my dad lives in South Island, Illinois, and I was like, that'd be nice to. I graduate college, I can go live with my dad, save up some money, and live in Illinois. Um, but so I put out a bunch of applications. I applied to New Berlin. I applied to. Um, I applied to Racine. Uh, I applied to Beloit. I applied to um, just a, a bunch of places in Wisconsin, a couple places in Illinois, and um, I got I got a um, message back from the agency I work for now. I'm not gonna say exactly where I work, but uh, the agency I work for now, they 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 replied to me and say, "Hey, we want to we want to invite you to um, our uh, written test and agility test." Basically, the physical assessment to see if you can physically do the job. <clears throat> so I was like, okay, this is a start. Okay, this is a start. And I went there. I passed the written test. I passed the agility. So then you move on to the assessment center, which is basically like um, some scenarios they put you through to see how you think and um, some interview questions. So I passed that part. I'm like, okay, we I'm like, okay, we rolling. So then you get the panel interview which is the most stressful part, I think, of the police <laughs> process. Because you walk in a room, and there's like 10 people in there in suits staring at you. And you sitting in the hot seat. Awesome like, men in black. Yeah, it's kind of like a table like this, but a little bit bigger. But And you sitting right here in the hot seat, and they just all just bouncing questions. And it's tough because you have to pay really pay attention to the question. Because if you miss a part... They can use they. That's against you. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you're not answering the whole question, you know. So, that part was so stressful, and they knew I was nervous when I walked in because I I walked in, I was like, oh my god, and they was like, it's okay, just relax. We're not <laughs> gonna we're not gonna grill you too much. Um, but yeah, I, I passed the interview that part, the panel process, and then you move on to the chief's interview, which is 
um, basically you get you got basically you got the job because you get once you do good in the panel interview, they send you a conditional offer. They say, hey, um, we want to hire you, but you got to go through these things. We got to go through these things before we get there, before we get you the the actual hiring process. Um, so you got to do a drug panel, the psych test, um, drug panel psych test. And there's something else you got to do. I forget. But once you do those, um, oh, the background, the, the background, <laughs> the most one of the most important parts. Um, you do the background, and once you pass those, you know you get uh, you get to go to the academy. And luckily, um, the agency I work for they put you through the cat. They put you nice. through the academy. They pay for that, which is beautiful. Because then, because the academy is like five grand, and I'm like at the time I was like I ain't got five thousand. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, they put you through the academy, and uh, it was just just that process, like me achieving that goal, like right before I like literally, I graduated in December 2016. I think I got that email that of uh, conditional offer. I want to say, um, well, my graduation was delayed, so I got the email in like December, and I ended up actually walking the stage in uh, January. So and then they were like the academy starts in February. So right, basically right when I when I walk across the stage that next month I'm in the academy. Yes, sir. Yeah, but that's that's how I got to, uh, you know, pretty much where I am now was the just taking the initiative and being like, okay, I need to start putting applications out there because I graduate in a month or two, mm-hmm. and uh, this process is so long. Yeah. Now, what would you say were some things that maybe you were maybe nervous or just thinking longer and hard of before becoming a cop? Um, before coming to a cop, I was nervous about uh, how I am with confrontation. Mm-hmm. Because um, if, if you know me, you know I'm not the type of dude to really be in confrontation like that. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and that's some of the stuff you got to do when you're in police. You got to confront people about stuff, you know, and you got to call them out on things. And I was worried that um, that was something that I wouldn't be able to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's going to be tough for me because uh, I'm just, I'm such a genuine dude that I, I don't I don't confront people about stuff mm-hmm. unless I like unless I'm really forced to do it. But I don't, I don't do that, yeah. you know. So I'm like, that's going to be tough. That's going to be real tough for me. That's a struggle for me. I can only imagine. But um, being in this profession, I've learned a lot about myself, like a lot, like. Um, I've learned that I can deal with stress very well. Um, I've learned that my coping strategies are very strong. Um, I've learned that my mental health is very strong. And that's not to, you know, brag or boast, but, you know, some people struggle with mental health. Oh, my gosh. Mental health is definitely real. And truthfully, you know, if I'm being honest, I didn't think mental health was real when 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 I was a little younger until I got into law enforcement. I didn't think it was real. I was the type of dude to be like, okay, just get over it. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's not how it works, my friend. That is not how it works. Mm -mm. Not how it works. So many barriers Um, and stuff. I had an experience. uh, um, This girl was having an anxiety attack. And um, at first, I didn't think, I'm like, I thought anxiety was just like, okay, just relax. Figure it out. You'll be fine. Whatever. Drink some water. You'll be good. And... When I fr- when I first saw my like someone going through an episode of mental health, I'm like, oh my god, this stuff is real. Mm-hmm. Like depression, anxiety, this stuff is real. And um, that moment, I was like, okay, I'm like, okay, 
this stuff is really real. I need to figure out what I need to do to help this girl. Yeah. You know, and then um, the EMS got there and walked me through what was needed to be done to get her to calm down. But she was having a severe anxiety attack. Like, can't she couldn't breathe properly. Like, it was it was bad. And I'm yeah. like, wow, okay. It changed my whole mindset. Like, my job has changed my whole mindset of mental health and how, you know, it, it how it's important to take care of yourself mentally yes, and sir. figure out, you know, how do you personally cope with stress? You know, like me personally, I like music, love music. Music is probably one of it's probably it's probably one of my top coping strategies is music. Um, no, I don't rap or <laughs> like that, but listening to it is yeah. just is is just so soothing that it calms me down. Yes, or sir. singing, I don't have the best voice, but <laughs> but. Uh, um, helps me too like when i'm in a car by myself singing at the top of your lungs this is like the best yes sir you know um or you know playing sports and going to the gym and did you, i would say music in the gym are probably my two top um coping strategies my two what do you say would be that piece of advice that you give to people who have that perspective that all cops are bad when we all know that's not the case everyone's different everyone treats every situation different um that's that's tough uh-huh. Because you know, I'm on both sides of it. I'm an African American male, and I'm a cop. Okay, so I'll explain it like like this. So, um, when I've been pulled over a lot, oh, no. <laughs> unfortunately, say it like that. unfortunately, <laughs> it's not um, funny, but the way you said it. <laughs> uh, and and honestly, I really didn't start getting pulled over until I became a cop. It's weird. Overall, yeah, it's because you know, so I got a little bit of a left foot. I ain't gonna lie. Um, but I've gotten pulled over by majority Caucasian cop. I've been pulled over by one African American cop. I've been pulled over by majority Caucasian cops. Every context was, has been the same. I have never, in my encounters with police, I've never had an issue. Ever. And I think that is because, for the one way I carry myself. So, um, me, and, me and my best friend Derek. Um, we've got stopped by Kenosha Police Department probably about maybe three or four times because we like sometimes we used to take when we were younger we used to take like walks at night and then we would walk in the street I don't know why the, mm-hmm. the sidewalk is fine but <laughs> we just walked in the street that's what we did and the Kenosha cop would pull us over or stop us and be like hey you know you guys walk in the street whatever can I get your IDs like yeah here you go look at our IDs run us we're good okay cool sweet you know but that situation could have gone bad if we decided to, one, if we would have ran, or if we decided, I'm going to talk mess to this cop. Now it's escalating mm-hmm. because of my actions. Unnecessary. Exactly. Unnecessary. So um, that just goes to show that cops react off how we, how we react. If we're animated before they even get out of the car now their alert is okay this is not, this is not going to go good so now they in defense mode just like anybody else and they react off how how we are acting and i try to tell people that all the time is uh, my actions are dictated off what you're doing and how you're acting like for example i had an african american male who he was simply going to get a, a 
ticket for disorderly conduct. That's all he was going to get. He wasn't even, I wasn't even going to put him in cuffs. I was just going to, Here, here's your ticket. Go about your day. But he decided to run. Oh, no. And I'm like, dude. So when we caught him, I'm <laughs> like, dude, you just made this situation so much worse. And he fought with us and everything. And I'm like, dude, you was going to get a simple ticket, man. Why did you do this? And he's like, man, y'all know, you know, you guys are this, you guys are that. And I was scared. And I'm like, I'm like when I got out the car, I didn't yell at you. I, I, I was cool with you. Yeah. You know, I was smooth with you. And that's how I am as a police. How I am off duty is how I am on duty. You know, I'm a very smooth dude. Very smooth. Very smooth fair. criminal, huh? Yeah. <laughs> very smooth dude. And I talked, how I talk, how I'm talking to you right now is how I talk to people when I'm at work. I don't treat people no, like no different. Like I don't act, and we wear body cameras too. Nice. I'm the same way. I don't care if it's on, off, I'm the same way. And I explained to him, I'm like, bro, had you not done this, you would have been in the crib chilling. <laughs> now I got to take you down to the police department. Yeah. I'm like, bro, like you can't <laughs> do that, man. So, I mean, for people to say that, all cops are bad is that's a stretch and just like you know if i if someone to say you know all minorities are bad we wouldn't like that we don't like that because you're putting us in a general in this category of like i know i'm not a bad person (laughs) you know and i know some of the people i associate with are not bad people but now you're putting us in this category of okay this one officer is bad so all of them are bad and I'm not going to sit here and call officers, you know, some bad officers, bad apples. I'll say this. Any job you go to, there's always going to be an employee that does not do the job well. Whether you go to McDonald's, Culver's, police department, fire department, the, the hospital, no matter where you go, there's always going to be somebody who does not do the job correctly. And if you ask those people, you know, at McDonald's, Culver's, wherever, how they feel about this person they'll say that i personally i don't really like the way they do the job bad cop bad cops and good cops we don't we don't like bad cops we don't like that either if, if you that type of person get out of the profession yeah get out of it because you 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 making it harder for the people who really care about the profession like i love what i do and i couldn't see myself doing anything different because i feel like it's my calling this is who I am. I like I was made to be a police officer. And um I got into it. At first it was like I said, let's get the bad guys. But at the first I realized <laughs> I realized it's more than that. We don't have a lot of African Americans in law enforcement. But, um realistically, we don't have a lot of African American females in law enforcement. We need to see the sisters in uniform. We do. Especially where I work. Um, and I got into it because it's like, if we want to cry about, um, the way African Americans or minorities are treated in, in the profession, get off your butt and get in the profession and make the change because you can't do it sitting on a couch. You can't. So, like I said, at first, my mindset behind being a cop was, you know, let's get the bad guys, whatever. But as I grown into the profession, it was like, okay, be the change you want to see, okay? You know, when, like, I get clout off rip just being a black cop. Like, I remember one time, um, 
I got on scene and this uh, kid uh, was who was one of my favorite kids in the city. Um, he was like, "Oh, thank God you're here." <laughs> as soon as he saw me, and like one of my Caucasian coworkers was on scene talking to his mom, and he was like, "Bruh, thank God you're here." <laughs> and I'm like, "What's going on, man?" And he's telling me he was opening up to me, telling me what was going on, you know. And it's just like off rip. That's just how it is. They see me and just be like, "Yes, yeah, somebody who gets it," you know. And sometimes I got to tell them too. I'm like, look, dude, I understand we got the same skin color. I get it. I was like, but I'm not going to treat you no different, you know, than the guy who's the, ca- the Caucasian guy next door. That's, you're going to get the same love and treat. You can get the same treatment. You know, and I tell people, I'll tell them, well, I need you to go arrest him. I was like, well, if I arrest him, I got to arrest you too. <laughs> you, you did the same thing. Yeah. You know, but um, to to put cops in this category of they're all bad, that's just... That's it's a stretch. You, you, I mean, it's it's not realistic. You you can't do that, and you can't do that with anybody. You know, it's just like when when women be like, "All men are trash." <laughs> <laughs> you you can't do that. It's yeah. just, it's not it's not realistic. You know, because you have not met all men. Yeah. You know, and I have not met all cops. You have not met all cops. So how can you say that they're all bad? And if you and if you if you think about the the profession of um, of being, of being a cop, like if if the cops show up, it's not good. We're not there to say, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> and take you to the grocery. No, like no, we we are there because someone potentially broke the law, and we just here to make sure that nothing escalates, you know. Or somebody did break the law, and we got to do what we have to do what we legally have to do to make sure that you know that person is removed from the situation or it doesn't happen again, you know. Like it's. But yeah, to, to answer the question, it's just it's not realistic to put yes, cops in that in now, this category. As we get ready to close out this amazing episode, do you ever deal with being scared, waking up, going to work, knowing that you may not possibly return home that night? Oh, uh, every every shift, every time I wake up, I go to work. I'm like, this could be the day. Every day, and it's it's tough now, you know, especially having a kid at home. It's I'm more. Aware of my surroundings, I'm more, um, I guess, I I don't know how to put it. I'm more of aware, like yeah, I'm more of aware of my surroundings. But at the same time, too, I catch myself, um, you know, doing things that might put myself in harm's way. Like, for example, a coworker in my um, the house was on fire, and we're one of the first on scene, and there are people still in the house, and I'm like. We look at each other, and I'm like, dude, the fire department not here yet. We got to do something. So we go in the house. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we, get, we get the lady out, out of the house. And there's a guy in the house being stubborn because he's like, I want to get my cat. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm like dude, I'm like, cats are pretty good at sensing danger. The cat probably got out of here a long time ago. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, we got to get you out of this house. Like... And as I'm explaining this to him, I'm watching the flames come down the stairs. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm like, we got to get out of this house, man, because I'm not about to die in this house. Okay? <laughs> it's not funny. Just yeah, it's just like, I'm like, I'm not about to die in this house, dude. And I'm like, I'm like, have you ever touched a hot skillet? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that hurt, right? I'm like, that hurt. So imagine your whole body engulfed. No, no, I'm good. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, come on. And he was like, no, nah, man, I got to get my cat. And I'm like. And I'm like looking at my partner. I'm I'm looking at my partner. I'm like, 
I'm like, man. So I'm like, I'm putting my gloves on. Because at this point, I'm like, I'm about to drag him out. <laughs> I was like. No, dude, why you said it funny? I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. I'm like, like, I'm about to drag him out of here. Because I'm like, we got to save him. Okay. I'm like, I know he wants this cat. But I'm like, at this point, I'm like, bro, skip the cat. We can get you another one, man. <laughs> I'm like, it's a lot of straight cats running around the city, dog. Like, come on. So then, like, he finally, finally was like, okay, fine. So we get him out of the house. And, like. Dude, this house was just like it was so <laughs> tore up, and I'm like, just like it was so it was so scary. It's just like, you know, had we waited any longer, we don't know what was gonna happen. But I'm like, but watching the flames come down the stairs towards us, I'm like, dude, come on, yeah. you know. Like, what would you but, say was like the craziest, most dangerous situation that you've been put in? Um, that's that's a good question. Um, so when I first started, uh, like I want to say I was. I got out of training and I was on third shift. So I think at that point, I think I may have had a year on already. Mm-hmm. Um, but so um, I'm sitting at, uh, is it, was it Woodman's? I think I'm sitting at a, somewhere. In the, or I think I was driving around at this point. But uh, we get a call for uh, a home invasion. And it was on uh, on a street called Dewey where I work. And... Um, I'm like, okay. And, and at this point, I'm like, I, I kind of know where I'm going. I'm still learning the city a little bit, but I'm like, okay. So I, I put on my light sirens. Um, I pull up on the the, um, the block, like, so like streets here. I put up on the block right behind. And I was like, I'm just going to walk up so we can catch them in the act. And at this point, it's probably like, I want to say maybe five or six cops going to this call. Um, so... We pull up, we get out of my, we we get out of the car, and at the time I'm with my sergeant, and it's just me and him walking up to the car, and then we got other officers walking up to the the front of the house, um, and this is one of those calls where it's like, your gun is out, it's it's gun day, yeah, and so at this point I'm nervous because I'm like, oh my god, my gun is in my hand, it's cold outside, I'm shaking. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my, I don't know what I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like I'm playing all these scenarios in my head. So as we walk up to the house, boom, a gunshot go off. Oh snap! And I'm like, ooh, and I'm like, uh, and like at this point, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, this could be the day. This could be the day I shoot somebody or some today they shoot somebody shoot me. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm. So then like my boss is doing a good job of just keeping me calm. And he's like, Daryl, I want you to keep focus on this door. So, um. As I'm looking at the door, the door is open, and this uh, guy comes out and looks at me, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the suspect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So then another dude comes running out the back door, and I'm like going like this. I'm like, should I chase him? Should I? And my boss is like, nope, somebody else will grab him. Keep focus on the door because we don't want to let nobody else out of the house. Um, so then in the front of the house, the dude – a dude comes out just covered in blood, and uh, at this point, it's apparently he let he let the officers know that there are still people in the house, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh my god, like this is I'm like I don't know, like I'm brand new, I don't know what to do, I'm like shaking, so then he's like, all right, we we gotta go in the house, so then um, before we go in the house, a canine gets on scene. So then um, they're doing a little sniff around the house to make sure. So then we find a gun on the outside of the house. So then while he's doing that, we find find somebody hiding underneath the car. And 
you know, at this point, we like, you know, show me your hands, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets taken into custody. So then we go in the house and we take other people into custody. But that initial moment, hearing a gunshot, like, I, I think that was my first time ever hearing a gunshot. Like in general? In general. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, but, well, I should say my first time hearing a gunshot in a live field. I mean, because I've heard it, obviously, through training and stuff like that. But in the field, that was my first time hearing a gunshot. And I'm like, bruh, like, this is this is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say my next scariest moment was I got in a foot chase by myself. Oh, wow. And um, so what happened was some, some kids... Um, was driving a car, and they smashed into a telephone pole. Um, in typical fashion where I work, people don't stay on scene. Uh, <laughs> they hit stuff, and uh, they don't stay. So they get out the car, and they run. So at this point, I was training somebody, and I was driving because I was trying to show him the ropes of how I handle stuff. And um, I was like, I'm going to pull up. I'm like, I'm going I'm to cut him off to the west. Um, because I think that's where they're going to run. Because if, if I did this, this is where I would run. Sure enough, I pull up to the west. We've got two dudes running towards us. He hops out of the car. He tells one dude to stop. He stops. The other dude keeps going. And I was like, I was like, you heard what he said. He said stop. So then dude looks at me, and he does this. He pulls his pants up. And I'm like, okay. I didn't spend too much time in the hood, <laughs> but I know when them pants go up, I you finna run. Yeah. I, I know. So I was like, all right. So he pulled his pants on. I was like, you better not. <laughs> and he just took off. And like at this point, I'm I'm by myself. It's pitch black outside. And I'm just I'm chasing him. Yeah. And uh I like look up at the street sign and I give out my location. And I think at this at this point, I think I might have might have had like two and a half, maybe three years old. So I kind of know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um I'm chasing him, hawking him, hawking, about, about to grab him. So then he hops a fence. And I grab him by his dreads, and he slips out my hand, and he just takes off running again. But that initial moment, knowing I'm by myself, that was, that was scary. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm by myself. My backup is far, because we done ran a block and a half. Uh, and But him, he ended up getting caught on the next block. But <laughs> it was just like that initial, just being alone is just... It's tough. Like I give, I give people props who work in the county. You know, if you're, you know, a sheriff, because sometimes your your backup could be five minutes away, or your backup may be twenty minutes away. Yeah. But imagine trying to, you know, handle a, a situation for twenty minutes waiting for your back, waiting for your backup to get there. That's tough. That is tough. Yeah. You know. Um, but I work in a city, so my backup's pretty close, uh, or my backup is e- either. The response time is going to be like a couple minutes or a couple seconds yeah. or they right there with me, you know. So that's the luxury of working in a city is your backup's pretty close. Now, what are some things that you do to decompress, like, after being in tragic situations like that, just heading home? It's it's tough because so after the first incident I told you about where the gunshot went off, um, you get this – when you first get there, you get this big adrenaline rush, you know, heart pounding, you got tunnel vision, you know, you got to breathe to really clear up your tunnel vision. Um, and then afterwards, like when it's all said and done, when, it, when the 
all the arrests are made and you're about to clear from the scene, you get this adrenaline dump and then you get this headache that is just annoying because you went from, you know, your 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 fight or flight senses kick in and then it's just boom, it's over with. Yeah. And you gotta go to the next call and forget about what just happened. You gotta focus on this next call. Which yeah. can be tough. That's exactly that's tough. You know, same thing with um when I got in a foot chase. I'm like after like it's just so much adrenaline and then afterwards once she's taken into custody, I'm like, Whew, okay. <laughs> All right, on to the next. But then like th- later th- throughout that whole rest of my shift, um, I had a headache because <laughs> I had this adrenaline dump. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh. And it's so draining, you know. And then it's like, you know, uh one time I went from I went to a stressful call where um uh this guy called in a fraud. Somebody like used his checks or something. And I'm thinking it's just a typical call. It's easy. I'm like, oh, this is easy. I can handle this. Well, I get in the house, and this is lady crawling backwards. And I'm like, it, like something out the exorcist. I'm yeah. like, what is going on? And he's like, oh, no, don't worry, man. She's just tired. I'm like, she crawling like that? What you mean she tired? Yeah. And she's like, oh, help me. Help me. Like crawling like backwards. And I'm like, so I call for more units. And I'm like, what did she take? And he was like, no, man, she's just tired. I'm like, that's not tired. <laughs> I was like, I've been tired before. I ain't never crawled backwards on the floor. I'm like, what did she take? And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm telling you, she's just tired. I'm like, so I'm so through my training, I can recognize excited delirium, which is something that happens when you take some drugs. Um, your body just reacts this way to it. So, and at this, you get like, you get like hyper strength. And you like your body heat rises up to the point where you could, if it gets too high, you can die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to wrestle with her or try to do anything with her because if I do too much, she'll die. So I'm like, I'm telling dude, I'm like, you need to move. Like, go sit on the couch. Let me deal with this. You know, so we get some more officers there and we, we end up helping her and getting her to the hospital. But it was like, I go from that call, which is high stress. And then I go to another call where a dude beating up his girlfriend. I pull up. He take off running from me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. It's like stressful call after stressful call. So then I get did. So then after I get done handling those calls, I get sent to something like there's a cat in a tree. <laughs> and I'm supposed to just forget about the stuff that I just saw and focus on the cat being in the tree. It's just like it's just it's tough, man. It's yeah. it's so tough. And if And if you don't have good coping strategies in place, this profession can tear you apart because of the stuff that you see. You know, we see all type of things that, you know, that people normally, that they could, wouldn't even stomach. And I've learned that about myself, too, is that I'm so good at um, having a short memory, um, and that's what sports have taught me. You know, you make a bad play, like, forget about it. On to the next play. And um, I use that in my everyday life is just have a short memory, forget about it, move on. And it's a, for some people, they can do that and they can, this it's whatever. But some people, it, they go home and it, it affects them. Yeah. You know, uh, law enforcement, uh, it's the highest divorce rate. Um, uh, the suicide rate for law enforcement is high, you know. Um, we just had some in the county I work. We just had, you know, one. You know, it's just the stress of the job is just, it's just, it's overwhelming. Yeah. 
And like I said, if you don't have the proper coping strategies in place, it can really eat you up. Yes, sir. It can really eat you up. Now, as we get ready to close out, <clears throat> what would be your advice, the knowledgeable self you are now, mm-hmm. to the rookie self? Ooh, that's a really good question. That is a really good question. Um, that's tough. So I guess what I would tell myself is keep keep working hard. Everything that you work for is is coming. It's coming. Don't um, don't stress too much about not knowing the city as well and. Um, it's, it's coming. Your your time is coming. Uh, just keep working hard. Keep stay focused. You know, keep keep being a good human, and uh, your hard work is gonna pay off. Um, just to give a little background information. So, in about twenty twenty one days, I'll be going on five years of law enforcement. Nice. Um, and throughout my <laughs> career. So when I first got to Beloit, I, I was made fun of because my geography was terrible. You know, I couldn't tell up from down. Oh, like, no. I didn't, I've never been to this city before. So, um, I didn't know where I was going. Like, it, like we'll go to a call and they're like, all right, go back to the police department. I'm lost. I don't know how to get back to the police department. You know, and it was times where they didn't even think I was going to make it out of training oh. because of I was kind of timid at first because I told you that I'm not really a confrontational person, but I had to I had to build that trait. I had to find that inside of me to be confrontational because of my job, my profession. And I didn't have that when I started. You know, it got to the point where my bosses would question them like, have you ever been in a fight before? <laughs> you know, because I was so timid, you know. You know, someone would say something to me, and I'm just like, oh, okay. It's like, now it's just like, hey, I said, you know. Um, and it comes with the comfort of just like anything. You first start at McDonald's, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But once you do it more, it you you get better at it. Um, I mean, even even five years in the city, sometimes I still st- struggle with geography. Um, it's just, you know, it's just I probably won't be comfortable with it until, you know, um, and I don't live there, so it's not like I'm driving around the city all the time anyway. But um, throughout the five years, um, I am now a crisis negotiator. So basically what that is is if someone's showing some type of, some type of suicidal uh, um, ideations, that they, they feel like they want to harm themselves by, like say let's just say, jumping off a bridge or they're inside a house and they want to harm themselves, or if they're inside a house, they got a hostage or something like that, or... Um, there's a suspect who won't come out of a house or I'm the person that talks to that person. That's what's up. I'm the person that talks that person off the ledge. Um, which is, I, I applied for that position because I thought that that's something that I'm such a calm and easygoing person. I feel like I'm so good at calming people down that that's perfect for me. Um, so I do that. Uh, I'm a field training officer. I think I said that already, which means that any new officers that come to the department, I train them, um, along with several other several other field uh, field training officers. Um, I am. What else do I do? Um, right now I'm in the violent crime unit, um, which deals with 
obviously the violent crime of our city. Um, and I work very closely with the detective bureau. Um, and yeah, yeah, man, that's what I've accomplished through the five years of, of, um, of being at the department. But to elaborate a little bit more on, um, what I would tell my younger self is keep grinding, man. It's coming. Yes, sir. Just keep, keep grinding, keep applying yourself, keep being a sponge and soaking up as much information as you can. Um, keep applying yourself, man. It's your your chance is coming. Yes, sir. Just like that, we wrapped up another amazing episode of Line for Line. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. You calling? Are you listening? Tune in every week. Line for Line. Oh yeah, I'm going Line for Line.